Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Donovan. Drives back out to Royce. Royce ball fakes. Kicks to Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich shovels to Conley. Dispatches to Donovan. Catch and shoot three. Pow! Left side, Joe. Catch and shoot three. Bang! Joe Ingles. Jazz back up by 10. That's their 10th three of the night. High pick and roll. Donovan at the left elbow. Pulls. Hits. Donovan Mitchell back-to-back buckets here in the fourth. Has that look in his eye. There's some highlights from the Knicks game. The Jazz, of course, lost that. They lost back-to-back games in New York. Now they're off to Milwaukee trying to avoid the three-game losing streak. The Bucks and Giannis Antetokounmpo, who have a three-game win streak. And PK, no Sam Merrill. Aggie fans are going to be disappointed with his left ankle injury, depriving them seeing the former Aggie. I guess so, yeah, if that's what uh, they were looking for. Uh, I'm not really concerned about that. I'm concerned about the Jazz playing well and getting back on the winning track. I thought you were going to say the ball club. The ball club is 4-4 four and four now. I don't have a losing record. Joe Ingles questionable. Uh, he's got a nice Ironman streak going, but he's got a uh, sore Achilles, and you start hearing that. The guy's over 30, and you start to get worried, so hopefully he'll uh, take care of that. Jazz, the pre- Jazz game night. The pregame show starts at 5 o'clock. Jake Scott, Tim Lacombe, and then David Locke at 6. And we will talk to David Locke at 9 o'clock this morning. Radio Voice of the Utah Jazz brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. That's coming up at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Doncic with the rebound left to right on the dribble. Harris on his hip. And now to the dotted line and scores in the lane. 34 for Doncic. The Mavericks go in front. 10 seconds to shoot. Hands it to Dame. Dame takes a deep three. Again. Dame from way downtown. 39 for Lillard. Walker's going to drive on Kuzma. Off to the right corner. Aldridge. Aldridge leans it against Gasol. Draws the foul. Banks it in. And the basket will count. The foul's on Marc Gasol. Well, Marcus Aldridge having quite a night. Is there any more light you can shed on Kyra's situation and whether or not this may be uh, an extended uh, absence? I don't know. I've sent him a message. Just I just found out. <clears throat> so I just sent him a message in the last half hour. And I uh, haven't heard back yet. But um, obviously thinking about him and hope uh, all is well. And, and it's yeah, it's a private matter. There's highlights from around the league, and then Steve Kerr, the Nets coach, Kyrie Irving, some type of personal situation. Steve Nash. Excuse me, Steve Nash. And uh, Kyrie Irving, some kind of personal situation, so he didn't play, and without him and without Kevin Durant, the Nets give the 76ers their second loss of the year. They beat the best team in the NBA, 122-109. to More shots for the other guys, PK, and the other guys got all sorts of fired up. Joe Harris went for 28 points, and they beat the Sixers. Yeah, I don't know they're the best team in the NBA, but I understand their record and equal the best team in the NBA in my mind. But, uh, yeah, Joe Harris is an interesting story. I mean, he came out of Virginia, I think, five years ago. And little by little, he's gotten better. And last year was just sort of what I would describe as a breakout season. And then you look what he did against the Sixers, and it was gigantic. 28 points. He was 6 of 9 from 3. He was 11 of 19 from the free throw line. Oddly, he missed his only two free throws. Go figure. 
He had six rebounds. He had four assists. He did a little bit of everything. And Karis LeVert had a huge game. Got to be a volume shooter. 22 points on 25 shots. We can all assume he wouldn't have taken 25 shots if Durant and Irving were playing. Nope. Lakers. They got beat by the Spurs, who came out and hit a bunch of threes. Cooled off a little bit, but still finished shooting the three very well. And the Spurs beat the Lakers 118-109. Uh, most of the role players played really poorly. The Stars had the kind of stat lines you'd expect, but uh, a lot of the role players didn't do much, PK. Uh, no, they didn't. Uh, Kuzma was pretty much the only one. Harold, you know, he's going to give you some hustle off the bench if he can continue to do that. But the Spurs had Aldridge. You know, they didn't have him when he played, when the Jazz played them, yep. uh, what was it, on Sunday. And so he had a huge game. He's a very good player. 28 points for him, and the Spurs give the Lakers their third loss of the year. They dropped to 6-3. and three. Uh, You want drama? Overtime. Dallas and Denver. The Joker with a clutch shot to get it to OT, but then the Mavericks win it in OT. They beat the Nuggets 124-17. Doncic and Jokic both finishing with 38 points, having huge games just going at each other, going back and forth there. True. Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin has spoken with NBA Commissioner Adam Silver and is pretty optimistic the city is moving towards landing an expansion franchise to replace the Supersonics. Uh, Of course, what the timeline is for expansion isn't clear. Expansion fees for a new franchise would be in the $2.5 billion range. Yeah, I mean, that's just huge on the amount of money that they can get there. I saw that uh, Vegas possibly, and certainly Seattle deserves one, it's going to be a while, but when you're rolling in $5 billion, why wouldn't you? They would expand 10 teams. <laughs> <laughs> Seattle seems like they've just got to have it. Vegas seems to be the name that's mentioned the most, but we'll see if some gazillionaire pops up with another city. Vancouver. Vancouver, Kansas City, St. Louis. You can run down a list of cities that might be interested, but it all comes down to whether there's some... Somebody with just tons and tons of money wants to write a check. But if an expansion team is going to cost $2.5 billion, then buying the 80% of the Jazz for $1.66 billion, well, guess that makes sense. guess that falls in the line there. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Gives to Timmy now for Kispert. Corey dribbling on the right wing. Into the paint, little fadeaway over Harms, good. 23 points for Corey Kispert. Here's Suggs, little hesitation, gets under the basket. He was here, here's a pass down low for Timmy. Timmy back to Suggs. Suggs, two-handed dunk as the shot clock expires. And Loner will just dribble down the clock. 86-69, the final score. Gonzaga wins its second consecutive West Coast Conference game. The Bulldogs remain undefeated at 11-0 on the season. Gonzaga jumping out to a 30-10 lead. BYU rallied, so they were only getting doubled up instead of getting tripled up. But Gonzaga, 52-29 at the half. They were in control the whole way. They win 86-69. And PK watching that, wouldn't it just feel like watching them beat some of those ranked teams? They just they do what they want, they get in control, and then they pull away a little more. Yeah, they're a real fun team to watch. I mean, they've got five parts all working together. They've got outstanding shooters they got some height that they need. They can pass the ball. they got some long athletic defenders. Uh, Mark Few has just built himself an incredible program there. You have to acknowledge it for being incredible. 
the consistency is as good as anything in basketball at any level. It really is amazing, and they put on a clinic. I've seen them play multiple times this year. They're fun to watch, and they're dominant. I think at this point, you know, you never know on a single-game basis if you had three or four guys get really, really cold. That could happen when they get to the tournament or injuries. Other than that, man, I'm not sure I see anybody derailing them. They were talking about that during the game. They were clearly prepared for a blowout on the broadcast. They had all kinds of graphics built. When you're comparing Gonzaga and Alabama football's offensive stats, it's like, yeah, you're prepared for a blowout. You've been thinking, how many different elements do we have here? How many different stories can we tell? Yeah, right from the start. Yep. Southern Utah has got an eight-game winning streak. They beat Idaho 85-80 in Cedar City. The Thunderbirds are 8-1. and one. Utah State has got a uh, seven-game win streak going, five straight in conference, and they'll try to win again tonight. They're playing New Mexico in Lubbock at 7 o'clock. Scotty G will have the call with the pregame show at 6.30. Uh, UVU's playing Cal Baptist in a whack opener at 6, and then there is uh, more basketball over the weekend, including Utah taking on 17th-ranked Oregon at the Huntsman Center. It's on the Pac-12 Networks at 7.30. Oregon's coming off a loss to Colorado where they always lose. Boulder is their kryptonite. Literally, they've never won there. Yep. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. I definitely feel uh, as good as I felt uh, after a season and I can't even remember. That's a big positive, especially at 37. Um, a lot of that's due to the low number of sacks that we had. Obviously, I consider some of the things I've done uh, in the offseason in the weight room a big help as well. But it's been one of those years. Sometimes you can't move injuries. You know, just things can happen. Guys can fall on your legs or take a misstep. And But this year, I've thankfully avoided those and, and I feel really good. That's Aaron Rodgers, Packer quarterback, 48 touchdowns, five interceptions. He's not getting hit a lot, so he feels good. And he doesn't have to play this weekend, so maybe he'll feel even better in a week. They've got the bye in the NFC. we got triple headers in the playoffs Saturday and Sunday. Uh, there are lots of storylines here. You got a favorite one or two you want to share, PK? We're going we're gonna to talk playoffs here with Cindy Bourne from the Washington Post, uh, who covers uh, the NFL, and obviously Washington is playing Tom Brady and the Bucks. Uh, you got a favorite matchup? Oh, yeah. Colts-Bills right off the bat. First game. Like it. Both double-digit win teams. Yeah. The Bills uh, seem like a young team on the rise, a team where, you know, it's easy to compare the stats for this team or that team over the course of the season. But if you look closer, the Bills have been getting more productive, especially offensively in the second half of the season. So if you look at their season-long numbers, they could be a little misleading. The Bills might be a little better than that. The old gunslinger versus the young gunslinger. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. The uh, Josh Allen, in a different type of player, but he reminds me of the situation and the story of uh, Lamar Jackson of Baltimore. He's sort of on the come a little bit here, getting better and better. Now what do you do in the postseason? That's what we had with Lamar Jackson. He still hasn't had a win yet. If you assign a victory to a quarterback in the way you would do pitching in baseball, so definitely different players. But now it's the postseason. We both we we all agree that you're both of these guys were really good in the regular season and have been going back to using the Jackson example last year. So what are you going to do in the postseason? Didn't work out for those guys last year in the postseason. Same situation with Josh Allen and the Bills. Great regular season, young guy, first-round pick. He was a higher pick, certainly. 
What are you going to do now in time where everything is really, really magnified? And I, I'm, I'm picking the Bills, but I don't know. So I see similar situations there. And, you know, if they don't win, it's not the end of the world for Buffalo because it looks like their time is still coming. But, you know, obviously they want to win there. And, and the Colts, uh, they've been probably the most, uh, how would you say, I don't want to say underappreciated, but undercovered uh, double-digit win team this season. Yes, we have seen less of them, less, less national TV dates, less hype and all that kind of stuff. So, but, but nonetheless, uh, everybody in the AFC playoffs is an 11-win team. So the worst team in the AFC playoffs is 11-5. and five. They're all pretty good. Yeah. Uh, another AFC game, Ravens-Titans, two teams that depend more on the run than the pass if you compare them to other, other teams. They can throw it. They hit them big plays, but they're rushing numbers. You just really – it's been true all year, but you just go back to last weekend and, and the Titans are winning the division because Henry runs for 250 yards. And the Ravens clinched their playoff berth because they ran for 404 yards as a team. So in a, in a quarterback-heavy league, a pass-dependent league, two teams that run the ball well, and the Ravens are 0-2 in the playoffs the last two years, so it's kind of an NBA thing where, all right, that was great, you got there, but now over time you got to progress, you got to get deeper. And the Titans had lightning in a bottle last year. It seemed like they came out of nowhere, and suddenly they were taking teams down, and they were in the AFC Championship game. So... Ravens want a piece of Tennessee again after what happened last year. Uh, there are also reports out there that Houston, Texas star Deshaun Watson was irked by the franchise's hire of former New England Patriots executive Nick Casario because Watson offered input on potential GM candidates, but the Texans neither considered nor consulted with those endorsed by the franchise QB. He found out about the hire of the new GM on social media. He's coming off a great year. The team was terrible. His individual stats were huge. Uh, led the league in... Passing yardage, had a really good touchdown-interception ratio. Okay, not Aaron Rodgers unbelievable. But uh, basically, I think 3-1, to one, one of the better ones in the league. So now they are they going to make nice with him? He is under contract for a while. Is he going to want to trade? Where's that going? So, so he, wants to be, uh, he wants to be part of management now? He wants to be consulted. Well, what about J.J. Watt? Does he want to be consulted, and I've where not, does that end? I've not who heard wants, from J.J. Watt. That's who wants always, to be consulted? That's Let's always, line up. That's always a dilemma. How much input is a star player asked for or given? DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. So Brian Harson, the former Boise State coach, is at Auburn now announcing hires. Derek Mason, uh, former Vanderbilt coach, and Mike Bobo coming in as uh, coordinators. Uh, Bobo on the offensive side, Derek Mason is defensive coordinator. Bobo had agreed to deal with South Carolina on Monday, but, oh, hey, I'm over here at Auburn instead. Never mind. And Tennessee has not extended the contracts of the assistant coaches. They've paused the hiring of coaches as they investigate whether recruiting violations have occurred within the program. All of us living outside the SEC footprint assume they have because it's the SEC. Uh, Speaking of Boise State, I'm reading a CBS sports report that Brian Johnson and Graham Harrell are top candidates joining a short list at Boise to replace Harson. I would really love to see Brian Johnson get an opportunity. At only 33, he's been coaching for 25 years, it seems, (laughs) uh, but still only 33 years of age. Obviously, we remember him as a player and as a coach with the Utes. 
but getting him back on our side of the country and getting him in a league and obviously with the non-league deal with BYU, that would be fun. It would be, absolutely. Have a local tie and all that. And with them playing BYU and Utah State every year, it'd be good. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Cleveland Indians trade their four-time All-Star shortstop Francisco Lindor and pitcher Carlos Carrasco to the New York Mets. They got a package of four players from the Mets as compensation. PK, we're seeing some big names change teams here in the offseason. Some teams deciding, hey, we want to take on some payroll and make this club better. And other teams thinking, well, we're not going to have fans for a big chunk of this season, so why don't we save some money? It's time for us to rebuild anyway, maybe, in, in some of their minds. But uh, it seems like it's more activity than normal. Well, Lindor's a big name. and He plays with a lot of flair like your Padres guy does at shortstop. And he's really good. And uh, Carrasco's had some issues, but he's good too, health-wise. And then there's talk about the Mets. They just got new ownership, obviously. And talk about how they're still a leader uh, for Springer, uh, who is reminds me of like a Donovan Mitchell situation. You know, he played ball at UConn. He's from that area. So the Mets could make themselves a contender here pretty quick. What is trending brought to you by... Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, talking NFL playoffs, Cindy Boren, Washington Post sports reporter, will join us next. Milwaukee Bucks writer for the Milwaukee Sentinel Journal, Jim Ozarski, will be here at 830 to talk about the Bucks and the Jazz tonight. And the radio voice of the Jazz, David Locke, at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. DJ PK brought to you in part by Jerry Signer Cadillac. Kids zero percent financing for up to seventy two months, plus a twenty five hundred dollar purchase allowance on a new twenty twenty one XT four, XT five, or XT six. Shop your way at Jerry Signer Cadillac. NFL playoffs coming up this weekend. We're going to talk with Cindy Bourne, Washington Post sports reporter, in just a couple of minutes. And then after that, we've got Lincoln Kennedy coming up later this morning. A Raider analyst will join us to look ahead to the six playoff games. Also have some questions up for you. If you go to uh, Facebook, DJ and PK, things to ponder, things to debate, things to discuss. What is your confidence level for the Jazz beating the Bucks tonight? Coming off the back-to-back losses to the Nets and the Knicks. And Tanner says the Jazz played the level of their competition. They got a good shot to beat the Bucks. He thinks they're bringing it tonight, PK. Oh, I don't think they played to the level of a competition against uh, Brooklyn. Not sure they played to the level of the competition against Minnesota. So, uh, and uh, they well overplayed the level of competition against San, uh, San Antonio and Portland. So, I mean, that's four games, four to the four to the eight, right there. Tony says not good based off the last two games. Ryan says on a scale of one to ten, not very good. Ah, oh, a little smirk thinks he's funny. Daniel Rose, little to none. This Jazz team lost to a Knicks team and a shorthanded Nets team. And Gwen labels it literally 0%, and I wonder what Ryan Smith is thinking right now. Call you him up, wonder yuck. or he wonders? <laughs> Gwen wonders what Ryan is thinking. You know, new owner, you pay a lot of money. 
and you're a fan. Oh, yeah, How disappointed are you? I don't think that Ryan Smith is going to live and die by one singular game. If he does that, he'll be burned out by March. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fried. This is exhausting. Who wants to buy an NBA team? (laughs) Seems unlikely. Because his fandom, I don't think his fandom is going to change. Now, obviously, his ownership, that's a whole new ball game. But I think he's going to be able to separate the two. You know, in the moment... When the game's being played, you're a fan. You know what I mean? I don't think that, I, as he sits there and watches the games, I don't think he's going to watch the game from an ownership standpoint. He's going to probably watch the game from a fan standpoint, just like he's been doing his whole life. Now, when the game is over and there needs to be decisions made and all, well, then that's an entirely different situation that he's going to draw upon the folks that he's hired or retain to give him his their expertise. Plus, he's going to rely on his own instinct. He's going to rely on his own business ability that got him in the point, the position to be able to buy the team in the first place. But I think when the ball's up in the air and they're running around, you, you end up, you're a fan, you're watching the game. You, know, you want the team to win, and somebody makes a great play. You're excited about that and all. So I see it two different things for Ryan Smith. All right, you can hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James, Facebook DJ and PK. Keep the predictions coming, and we will get back to that game. Right now, we're going to shift gears and talk NFL playoffs. Cindy Boren joins us, Washington Post sports reporter. Six wild card games this weekend involving, well, obviously the Washington football team and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Cindy, good morning. Good morning. So there are many games, but why don't we start with one uh, in your backyard, Alex Smith, of course, went to the University of Utah, and people still keep an eye on him. Oh, sure. How healthy is he? We know he's got the calf thing, and he couldn't play, and then he did play, but he didn't, he didn't look right. He's protecting it, and got to be careful maybe a little bit. Where do you think he is? Uh, I don't think the situation is very good for him. Uh, I think it will be much of a continuation of what you saw Sunday night. You know, of course, it's it's a calf muscle, and while in, in an ordinary leg that might not be a big big problem, this is his right leg, and of course everyone there knows exactly what went on with his right leg. So he is not terribly mobile. Uh, he will be facing a, a team that actually is interested in winning for a change um, as opposed to the Eagles on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it does fill you with concern for him. I think I'd, I'd don't know of a single Washington football fan who isn't rooting for him, of course, after what he's gone through. But I think they're all a little bit nervous, too, for him personally, just because of everything. Okay, so then even if they were to somehow pull off the upset, you'd have to assume they'd lose somewhere along the way. So the bigger picture is, what are they going to do at quarterback? Well, that's the next question. Uh, is he? Is do you Do you try to to stick with him? Do you try to draft someone? Uh, there, you know, there are all sorts of rumors. Uh, the Deshaun Watson thing came up yesterday. Uh, is that something uh, you try to, you know, is that an option? I, I don't know. I don't think they know yet. I think it, it depends on how far they, they get right now. I don't think um, uh, Taylor Heineke is the answer, <laughs> but um, I think that uh, it, it is a, a looming question for them. So Tampa Bay brought in Tom Brady to turn things around, and of course it's Brady, so people think Super Bowl, but in Tampa they had the second longest uh, playoff drop behind Cleveland. 
Both those teams are in and have snapped that. Brady uh, certainly took the 30 picks that we saw out of Jameis Winston, lowered them to 12. They get up to 11 wins, so they're in. That's great. But as good as his numbers are, third in the league in yardage and 40 touchdowns, only 12 picks, against some of the better teams and against teams with better pass rushes, he's had problems and they've gotten beat. Is there any recipe there for Washington uh, to get after him with their pass rush and create turnovers and give themselves a chance to win this? Or Brady wins this and he's going to have a problem at some point down the line, but maybe that problem's in Green Bay. Well, I think Chase Young gave away the game uh, when he was walking off the field Sunday night and he was saying, I want Tom Brady. Um, Be careful what you wish for when it comes to Tom Brady because he remembers every single slight that uh, you know has ever has ever fallen befallen him. Uh, I think Chase Young and Montez Sweat and uh, Ryan Kerrigan and and the Red, the Washington Football Team pass rush is very formidable. They are going to come after him now. Brady gets rid of the ball fast, but we also know that Brady does not like to be rushed. He does not like to face uh, people a, a pass rush, and he does not like people at his feet. So. There are all sorts of ways to, to make him uncomfortable. Uh, we've seen teams do that over the years. <laughs> there haven't been many in the playoffs who have had success against Tom Brady, of course, but, uh, but it can happen. You can make him, you can throw him off his game. Now, of course, he's Tom Brady. He is well aware of this. So up the road from you, you've got the, the Ravens, obviously, and still yeah. in your area and Lamar Jackson, very good quarterback, still young. How big of a story is it individually on Lamar Jackson trying to get his first postseason win? That's the big, the big issue for him, isn't it? Uh, the, the postseason ended very badly for him for the MVP last year and against the Titans. And guess who they play this weekend? The Titans. So there, there will be all sorts of, of subplots there. But it's really uh, down to Lamar Jackson. He's he's healthy. He's playing. He's had a good stretch here, playing really well. So maybe this time they can they can pull it off. The games in in Nashville though uh, would be more helpful if it were in Baltimore. But uh, uh, there will be there will be a definite definite grudge match atmosphere to this game. How do you think the Ravens' defense holds up against Derrick Henry? Because there are times he seems just superhuman. You can't take your eyes off him. 250 yards last week. I'm not really sure any defense can stand up to him very well. Uh, he, you know, he'll just give you a stiff arm if you try to bring him down. And his stiff arms are pretty tough. That's going to be a problem. Maybe you let Derrick Henry run, run wild uh, and and try to stop the passing game, try and stop uh, Ryan Tannehill, keep them, you know, keep them running back and forth between the 20s and then stop them in the red zone. Uh, that's, that's one formula they've used in the past with some success. I think they, they have their work cut out for them on Sunday. I, I'm really looking forward to this game, to be honest with you, um, probably a little more than, than the other uh, five on the docket this weekend just because I think it's going to be – it's going to be a tough football game. So I'm looking forward to me the most is Coach, 
Colts and Bills. I really enjoyed watching the Bills this season with Josh mm-hmm. Allen, Zach Moss, a kid from Utah, as their running back and all that, and we followed him these last few years. Uh, to me, the Bills are the most intriguing team in the, of, of these games that are going on uh, the next couple of days. And the reason why I say that is because, obviously, they're fresh. And just how good are they? They had a very good regular season. You know, you can even give them one, one more win than they had because they lost that incredible play by DeAndre Hopkins literally on the last play there. They didn't win the game, right. but obviously they were in position to win it. So I'm wondering what you think is in terms of just how good are they? Because to me, they look like they could be a serious contender even for getting out of the AFC, recognizing maybe getting out of the FCC. AFC is a little too strong with the Chiefs there. But still, I think that they're a really good team. Oh, I think they are formidable. I really do. And I, I like the Colts. I like what they've done. I like, you know, I shoot. So listen to me. I'm, I'm quoting Philip Rivers. Who doesn't like Philip Rivers? Um, but, uh, you know, the Bills are on, in a different uh, in a different class altogether, and I actually think they could per- they could pose some serious problems for the Chiefs. I have been a Chiefs fan since I grew up um, in Missouri many many moons ago, and boy, I watched a lot of bad football. But um, and I'm not really a fan now. But you watch them, and they they sort of play as well as they need to play to win, which is fine. <laughs> I mean, it's worked for them, right, over the last two or three years, but. I think they could be surprised by someone. I think they could be, I I think they're vulnerable. I think it's a possibility. I wouldn't probably put any money on it, considering uh, if it comes to that, the the Chiefs would have a home field advantage against the Bills down the line. But uh, the the Bills are, are a very, very serious, seriously formidable team. Uh, I, how can you not like what the Bills have done? Cindy Bourne joining us, Washington Post sports reporter, previewing the NFL Wild Card Weekend. The Rams and Seahawks uh, meeting for a third time here. The Seahawks, at times, the offense, especially early in the season, looked Super Bowl quality, and the defense looked terrible. Mm-hmm. And then, as the defense got better and was really pretty good over the last six weeks of the season, the <laughs> offensive production slipped, and it seems like yeah. if, if they're missing anything, it's big plays to DK Metcalf. Teams have decided we really can't let this guy beat us deep. And they've done a better job of taking him away, and the offense has struggled. They've had injuries at running back in the midst of all this, too. So, But the Rams are coming in with a great defense, and their quarterback just had thumb surgery. So what do you expect? Yeah, he has no thumb, basically. Um, I probably lean toward the Seahawks on that for all the reasons you mentioned. The game is in Seattle. I know it's a, an odd year with, with uh, very few fans. There won't be quite the 12th man atmosphere that there is for Seahawks games. I think they probably will pull this one out. Uh, I, I really do, just for the reasons you mentioned. I think that the, the Rams quarterback question is, is really a, a problem. Uh, Browns Steelers, do you think the NFL maybe should change rules with the coach for the Browns not being able to be there, but let him still be able to have some form of communication from a remote location and all that? I'm not really big on the whole remote communication thing because I think they're, the moment you open that uh, Pandora's box, you, you create, a, create all sorts of problems down the line. So I'm fine with that. The question I have is, 
the NFL made it through 17 weeks. There's a week built into the schedule there between the championship games and the Super Bowl. Maybe you should just say, let's postpone the, all the games for a week. I know that's that's completely antithetical to the NFL, and it's ridiculous uh, on its face, but this has been a weird year, and I hate to see the Browns at a competitive disadvantage. They're going to be at enough of a disadvantage facing a Steelers team that will actually be playing all of its starters this week. But practice has been an issue for the Browns uh, this week. They will not be terribly well prepared. Um, so I, I kind of hate to see that. It's going to be it's going to be an interesting game. I, but you know, I, I don't really give much, the Browns much of a chance of winning. But of course, a team that comes in with that kind of attitude, you know, is usually loose, and that's the team you have to worry about. One game we haven't talked about yet is Bears and Saints. The Bears are 8-8. Eight and eight. It's the constant search for a quarterback. They've changed them a couple times this year. So I'm assuming the Saints take care of business here early, although I really don't know what to make of Drew Brees and how healthy he is. Um, right. You know, It seems better. That first week back seemed like he shouldn't have been back. Definitely. Uh, but the Saints have a strong running game. Uh, Alan Kamara, you have the... Uh, Taysom Hill and, you know, whatever insane play um, Sean Payton pulls out of his head. And I think the Bears' rush is going to be a problem for the Saints. That said, they've been here before. They know what's going on in the games in New Orleans. Um, I'd probably lean toward picking the Saints there. It's been interesting to see what's happened with the Bears managing to get to 8-8 and and, – Mitchell Trubisky kind of uh, coming around a bit. You know, people aren't aren't down on him anymore the way they used to be. He's been playing much better. You like the uh, additional playoffs in the NFL? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I wasn't really, you know, I, I, I've always had it in the back of my mind, of course, all season long. But uh, I, I like it now that at the moment I saw the actual lineup on Sunday night and it all kind of clicked into place for me. I like it. I, I think it's great that only one team gets a bye. It's going to make it more, even more competitive for that top seed um, in each con- one team in each conference. And I, I, I like it. I think it. Uh, I think it makes for a really compelling wild card weekend. As if you know the wild card weekend needed to be any more uh, compelling. More football. America seems to always vote for more football. Yeah, I mean, look at the uh, the list of. Uh, top TV games, top top ten, top twenty, I guess it was, TV shows in the last year. And but the, well, I can't remember how many it was off the top of my head, but it's like almost ten of them are football games. Yeah. So you know, it's it's huge, and um, particularly when we're all stuck at home during a pandemic. Uh, why not? Um, it's, you know, it's, it's even though the ratings have been down somewhat this year, um, I, I think people are. People are game, and the playoffs, of course, is a whole different beast. Well, PK, you've got a potential nickname for the Washington football team. Do you want Cindy <laughs> to become your partner and carry this forward in the nation's capital, or do you want all the glory for yourself and you're going to keep it to yourself? Uh, I'm willing to share the glory. Go ahead. What is it? He's got the nickname. Oh. Brace yourself, Cindy. Yeah, I've been talking about they just call themselves the pigskins, then they could still be the skins. That's not the worst idea I've heard. I mean, it's close. <laughs> being the worst idea I've heard, but but it's not not the worst. 
Uh, <laughs> or maybe just the skins. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's my whole point. The skin. Is yeah, that they, they, um, they can be the skins, and then they can still have the hogs there if they want to go that. I realize that's a little old school. Yeah, but I but I think people are looking at it this year, and they're thinking, uh, oh, gee, you know, they finally got rid of that, that nickname, and look, they, they quote-unquote won the division. Yeah, it was a horrible division, but they won the division. Things seem to be on the right track with Ron Rivera. They've got a good defense. Uh, let's, you know, let's, let's keep going here with Washington's football team. So, who knows? City, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Great to be with you. City Born, Washington Post, looking ahead to NFL wildcard weekend. And, of course, one of the big games, Tom Brady and the Bucks facing Washington. And how is that going to work out with Alex Smith at quarterback? And that game is the primetime game on NBC Saturday night at 615 so you got that to look forward to. All right, DJ and PK, we're going to take a break. Working on uh, Lincoln Kennedy, hoping to get him in the 8 o'clock hour. Jim Osarski, uh, Milwaukee Bucks writer for the Milwaukee Sentinel Journal, is going to join us at 8.30. And David Locke, radio voice of the Jazz at 9 o'clock, right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Big weekend for the NFL with six wildcard games. We just talked with Cindy Bourne about that, but for those of you who are more into the local teams, this is a big weekend for the Utah Jazz and for the Utes. The Jazz have got a losing streak. Uh, the Utes have got the 12-game road losing streak. They're back home against Oregon, who's nationally ranked and probably in a nasty mood after losing to Colorado. Need some basketball wins, PK. Need some basketball wins. Right now, it'd be good. Not later. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Victories would be good. And, and it throws Sunday in there, too, because if the Jazz beat Milwaukee tonight, everybody will feeling good. But if you go lose to Detroit, one of the worst teams in the NBA, on Sunday, you're going to be feeling lousy again, and we're going to be talking about the roller coaster again Sunday night. Well, yeah, I would suspect that it would be more difficult, obviously, to win tonight, which would ban if you don't run the streak to three. So that really puts the pressure and amps the spotlight up on Sunday afternoon. I think that's like a one thirty start somewhere around there for our time for that game. But first things being first tonight, yeah, Milwaukee presents a formidable challenge. Even if you had won these last two games, it adds a little more sense of desperation. And I use the word desperation loosely because we're not even into the first month of the season but you want to establish good you know, good habits. You never want to have a losing streak that starts to grow because then it starts to – it starts to grow on you, and it becomes even bigger than maybe what it should be. You know, Lamar Jackson, he's got to get his first playoff win. He doesn't necessarily have to beat the Titans. Now he does to get that, but it's like it's a, it's a story away from the the story at hand. If the Jazz are all lose, well, that's a three-game losing streak. What's really wrong and all that stuff? Well, you don't really worry about that, but the story grows. So I'm interested to see what they do in this game. This game we had circled anyway because the you know, Antetokounmpo and the Bucks being 
uh, a potential candidate to come out of the East makes it somewhat more of a challenge uh, from that perspective. So see what they can do. Donovan Mitchell, you know, he's going to explode at some point if they keep losing because he can't keep coming on the post game stuff, doing the same, saying the same thing because he's already not that he's getting tired of having to do it. He's getting tired about just the same questions over and over. And he, I don't think he takes it personal, the questions being asked, but it's the same story. He's, as he said last game, I've been talking about this for a while now, four or five games. Is it, talk. we got to stop talk. we got to go do. And I agree with him 100%. Ran a poll yesterday and asked what the problem is. What is wrong with the Jazz? And the winner, with, uh, and there were about 1,200 votes in this, uh, the winner with 45% of the vote, focus slash concentration. They got it. The talent is there because we saw the Portland game and, and we saw the San Antonio game and we saw how they beat the Clippers and we saw them with an 18-point lead against the Knicks and then it just evaporated. So focus and concentration, the leader. Uh, perimeter defense sang it with 35%. Um, Cowboys Utes Jazz fan says... Unpopular, and I hate to say it, but compared to many teams, the Jazz players are just not as good as many locally hold them out to be. I wish I was wrong about this. And I wonder if that when it comes to perimeter defense. Hey, we don't really look at this and say, uh, yeah, really like the guard combo offensively, but they're a little undersized, so if you're a little taller, that's a pretty good matchup for you. And then, yeah, you can move Royce over there, and he's a pretty good defender, but he can't guard everybody one through five, and some of these guys uh, he just can't stay in front of. So, you know, are there problems here that we don't talk about, and we talk about guys about what they do best, not where their weakness is, and do we also look at guys and how good they are on their best night and their best matchups as opposed to how they are routinely. And I think the answer to that with most media, most fan bases, most cities is, yeah, you do that. I think a defense is played on a team level rather than an individual level. And so you need everyone to be playing a defense rather than just one guy. I'm going to lock you down. This is the NBA. It's awfully difficult to do that. Yep. So you need to play team defense. And then if you stack up talent, that's all well and good. But you mean to tell me that their talent doesn't stack up favorably against the Knicks? I would disagree with that. And that is why I wanted to put confidence on the list. And it did very poorly and came in last with about 8% of the vote. But I look at that Knicks game and... Before the game tips off, we all agree the Jazz are better than the Knicks. Most people who cover the NBA nationally think, mm, the Jazz are better than the Knicks. And the Jazz go out there and build an 18-point lead, and they look a lot better than the Knicks. They let the Knicks back into the game. There's a bunch of soft turnovers at midcourt, and they miss some open shots, and a couple guys get it rolling for the Knicks. But it's still... I, I, I cannot explain to you why late third, early fourth quarter, the Jazz don't look around and think, Okay, we're better than these guys. Let's and this is where the focus, conf, you know, it's not just one thing, and the focus and concentration thing matters. Let's tighten up the act here. Knock off the soft turnovers. We'll run the offense. We'll get some open shots, and whoever they come to, we can all hit them. So we'll hit them, and we'll beat these guys because we're better than these guys. And we've seen that happen in so many NBA games, many that involve the Jazz, different generations of Jazz players around the league on any given night this year. There's three runs, you have one, they have one, but then you have one and you win the game. And that that didn't happen for the Jazz, where's that level of confidence at the end of the game to just say, all right, we messed some stuff up, but let's go do this. They've done it at other times, 
I was really surprised they didn't do it there. So when you introduce the word confidence, I think what you have to also introduce is that they're mentally weak. Whoever lacks confidence is mentally weak. So with that in mind, if you are mentally, if you lack confidence, then you're also, in my mind, the next step is you're mentally weak. I don't believe these guys are mentally weak. DJ PK will run this all by David Locke coming up at 9 o'clock. Radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jim Ozarski with the Bucks at 8.30. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.